Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to Honey Do Me Podcast. I'm Emma. And I'm Cass. And this is our podcast where we talk about sex and relationships and doing it and confidence and working through shame and all of those things that um, are just so damn important and don't get talked about enough mm-hmm. in our everyday lives. And especially not enough in a like crossover. I'm thinking those two circles, mm-hmm. Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. I feel like <laughs> I'm just tooting our own horn. I feel like we talk about all of that in every single topic that comes up because that comes up every time you're nude, all of these things. Um, and so I'm proud of us <laughs> that we're really cool. So I'm deeply proud of us. They are very interconnected. Mm-hmm. I do like that we're able to um, approach topics from a multifaceted perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and this month we have been talking about relationships and mm-hmm. really breaking that down in different ways. We talked about how to maintain long-term relationships. We talked about how to fight, which is very much a skill. Totally um, is a skill. That, that I have not perfected. Um, and this week we're talking about new relationships because... Uh, we can fuck it up sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, we can. Um, the butterflies, I feel like, tend to cloud our vision, mm-hmm. or at least it has in my experience of the groundwork I'd love to lay out in the beginning of relationships, which means the important conversations and trying not to be the cool girl when you're not totally the cruel, cool girl in certain situations. I don't know. There's a lot that I feel like we put on in the mm-hmm. beginning of relationships, which doesn't always set us up for the most honest representation of ourselves. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, Lying yeah. isn't the best way to start a relationship? <laughs> That's a weird thing Cat to say. Catfishing my personality isn't the best way. But also a lot of things that we need to look for in the people that we want to start relationships mm-hmm. with. And green, beige, red flags to keep an eye out for to see if they're really going to be a, the perfect match for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're talking with Catherine Drysdale. She's a sex and relationship coach. She's amazing. But before we get into all of that interview, how are you? Oh, how are you, you for doing? asking? You're That's welcome. very nice. I'm doing well. Um, I've got sweaty lips and a runny nose from some hot chips I just ate. Which but that's lips? me. 
<laughs> I sweat from tip to tail when I eat chips. Um, but I also just saw a TikTok um, right before this because I doom scroll until I have things to do. So mm-hmm. I was looking and this adorable married couple um, had a whole date planned out and they were hiking they were like live in England, but they just mm-hmm. set up different stops at different pubs throughout the day. And then they ended up hiking like 14 kilometers, which I don't know what that means in America, but yeah, <laughs> it's far. It sounds like <laughs> it sounds like a lot. <laughs> sounds like a lot. And then they ended with like a really nice, like late lunch and then just lifted home. But I thought that was so cute. Like you hike to different spots, you get a little drunk and then you have a really nice meal. That's beautiful. I love that date idea. I, I think know. that could be good in the beginning of a relationship, mm-hmm. in the middle of a relationship, at the end. <laughs> <laughs> and at the very end, as your farewell. Anywhere, you both anywhere get you want separate to cars and you break up. <laughs> wow. You know, we've never had an episode on break up the last day, how to, you know, leave. How to do it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I feel like so few breakups are, you know, positive. <laughs> you don't really want to go a on a hike way. to break up with them. Yeah. What a fun way to end a relationship. <laughs> anyway, how are you? <laughs> I'm fine. Um, I found a very interesting article. Um, the Kinsey Institute and Cosmopolitan did a a little study looking at sex for people, specifically women, who are over 60. Mm. Um, And I find that topic so interesting because I think we talk about sex and we think about sex as if it is just something that young people do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And I think it can feel a little scary because we only have so many prime years in society's eyes that it's like if I'm not fucking real good right now – Am I just never going to have the, sh- the opportunity? Right. Um, so what I really liked about this article is that they said that those who remain sexually active after 60 say that sex gets better with age. And oh. I think that's just so fun and happy. Mm-hmm. Um And that a lot of the reasons are because of increased confidence around communication and increased knowledge and awareness of themselves. Mm. And I think that's just such a happy, positive way to think about aging. And I don't think we talk about aging in a very positive way Mm -hmm. ever. (laughs) I would love to start integrating that for myself as I get older, just thinking about all of the things I have to look forward to rather than the things I have to get in now or get done now Mm -hmm. before I hit a certain age. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Because you do like – you age so well and knowledge ages you well. And so the more you learn and the more you experiment, I feel like the more fun you're going to have when you're 60 and like, fuck it. Also, 60 is really young. Yes. Like when you think about that, that is my parents are over 60 and they're some of, they're some of the youngest people I know. That's not true. (laughs) That's not even kind of (laughs) true, but they just, they seem so young. Like you're just, there's so much life left. to them. I think they'll be really happy to hear you say that. To, to, you know, affirm that for them. Um, But yeah, it's like if you can have good sex at 60, you got a 20 years left at least. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I fucking hope so. Um, 
it, the article went on to talk about how a lot of the respondents agreed that one of the reasons, another one of the reasons that they're feeling more satisfied and having better sexual experiences is because they are decentering penetration, which is something mm. that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Because as you age, your bodies change. Um, for a lot of people with penises, that could mean it's harder to have an erection. For people with vaginas, it can mean it's harder to get wet. Right. And so there just isn't as much penetration because that's not what's going to feel good or what's going to be accessible. Um, But that that makes the sex even better. So there's more cuddling, there's more touching, there's more kissing. Um, And I think that's so cool. And I feel like we've both like worked on that over the years as well, expanding Mm -hmm. our sexual repertoire. And it really does make the biggest fucking difference. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Just having more tools Letting yourself experience pleasure, being willing to try different things mm-hmm. instead of just sticking it in the hole. It really. Amen, brother. Romanticize your sex life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Romanticize. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. And I love how we're juxtaposing today's episode with beginning and, you know, later. <laughs> <laughs> Deeper into <laughs> deeper into um a relationship or your life span mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so i think that's beautiful and um that's so much to look forward to yeah uh you've got this episode and then the rest of your life so you're welcome bada bing, bada boom. and we'll see you on the other side bye bye so i am Catherine drysdale i'm a sex and relationship coach And my expertise is specifically in supporting women experience more pleasure. A lot of what I do, too, is supporting women in healing from trauma, limiting beliefs, or anything that's really stopping them from experiencing the pleasure, the intimacy, and the love that they desire in their relationships. So I just think it's so important to provide this space where women are truly able to experience everything fully because most of us weren't taught that our pleasure matters. That sounds, we have the similar missions, I'd say. That sounds amazing. (laughs) Um, We are so excited to chat with you about relationships and especially starting new relationships because it can be really exciting. It can be really scary. And we often, at least I have in my past, lost sight of like my own values and my pleasure and you know, how to start a really healthy relationship because it's so great and it's so fun immediately. Um, So let's start with the fun stuff of like, what is it that's so great about a new relationship? What do we look forward to the most with starting a new relationship? Well, when we're starting a new relationship, I mean, I think psychologically a lot of what's going on is we have like hormones that are released, right? We're having dopamine constantly. We're having the oxytocin, like the love hormone. So we're being flooded with all these hormones and chemicals in our body. And that's why it feels so good to be in something new. And that's also what a lot of us know as like the honeymoon phase, right? That's when we have our rose colored glasses and we're just so, so excited by this new person. Um, I think also too, Um, being in this sort of phase of dating in life where online dating is so prevalent, I think it's even more exciting when we finally feel like we have a crush on Mm -hmm. someone new and we're like, okay, maybe this will be the one or, okay, I like them enough to like, see where this goes. 
because so often we're just on this hamster wheel of continuous swiping or first dates and nothing panning out. And so when we find that person where we're like, okay, Mm -hmm. yes, (laughs) let's keep it going. It's just like, we want to, we want to keep those feelings going. But I think sometimes, yeah, it's easy to lose sight of like, okay, what do I actually want in a relationship? What do I actually need? Mm -hmm. And do I actually like how this person makes me feel? Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What is it like? What, um, not what, how long do those hormones release? Like when we're just starting out, like, I feel like the honeymoon phase can last from weeks to like a year. So how long are we still actively releasing things that give us those rose-colored glasses? I think it it totally depends depending on like the specific boundaries of relationships. Like I think in long uh, long distance relationships, it can be more common for it to last like much longer. But typically it's usually about nine 90 days, 90 days or so okay. is typically when the honeymoon phase and all those chemicals are coming mm-hmm. out. But when it's long distance, it's hard because you're getting the dopamine release and then the detox because you're with them mm-hmm. and then you're not, and then you're with them and you're not. And so it gets easier to get stuck in that cycle mm-hmm. even longer. Mm-hmm. I would love if you could cover some of the mistakes that people tend to make when getting into new relationships. One of the ones I'm thinking of is a tendency to worry about whether they like you rather than whether you like Mm. them. Um, And I think that's common, not just in like romantic or sexual relationships, but in friendships and work relationships and really everywhere. I know I have a tendency to worry like, oh my God, how do I make this person like me? That it's like, I don't even have capacity to worry if I like them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I think part of that, I think, especially as like women, we're taught that we're supposed to like be our best selves, just in general in life, we're taught to contort ourselves to be the person that so and so needs or always be adaptable. And I mean, from a young age, most of us are taught that like finding a partner is our biggest goal in life, when in reality, that's not not necessarily the case. So of course it's challenging to realize and like take a step back and realize that, Oh wait, like dating is not supposed to be, do they like them? It's like, do, do I like them? And I think being more intentional with our dating experiences is like, number one, I recommend with my clients. And this is something that I've done myself is before you even start swiping, like ask yourself, am I looking and ready for connection or am I just wanting validation? And if you're wanting validation, that's totally fine. That's normal. We're humans. We're supposed to need validation from other people, but that might be an indication of like, okay, maybe there might be other ways where I can get the attention that I want instead of swiping here. And so I think it's number one, creating the intention of wanting to connect. And then I think figuring out what your particular dating goals are, are super important. I think oftentimes people just assume a lot of things when it comes to dating that you want the same things. Um, And so I think it's really important to get clear on, okay, what are your future goals? What kind of relationship are you looking for? What are your core values? Um, What communication 
communication style do you want or frequency of communication? I think a lot of people also get stuck in that trap of like the anxious and avoidant Mm -hmm. (laughs) relationship cycle where one person is a little bit more anxious, might need more validation from their partner. And especially early on in dating, it's easy to get confused with those feelings of, you know, love, lust, enjoyment. You're like, I just want to be inside this person's skin. (laughs) When in reality, it's like, okay, pump the brakes. Like, let's actually take a moment to get to know this person. But I think Back to your earlier question, I think it's like going through the dating process, viewing yourself as like a company who is hiring someone for a role, right? You have to, before you have an interview, you have to come up with a whole list of like, what are the qualifications? So that's why it's so important to have that before you even go on this date. So be very clear with what you're looking for. And then through the date, the intention should be, do I have a connection with this person and how do I how do I feel with them and that's a good indication on like whether or not you want to continue pursuing them but I think we spend so much time focusing on what other people think and a lot of times we like don't order the food that we want because we're afraid that it's going to be like messy and all over our face or what if we eat too much or oh no, this lighting is giving me a double chin. Like, I don't know. Or will he think that I have IBS if I get up to go to the bathroom <laughs> oh, five times during this my dinner? God, that you know? one hits. <laughs> I just think... I'm an IBS girl <laughs> too, so I get it. <laughs> I have the smallest bladder ever. And I just think like they must be, they must think that I just like wet my pants all the time because I need to get up constantly to go to the bathroom. And it's just, I will... And this is me avoiding it. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, and and I'm, and I'm there with Mm -hmm. you. And I think, I think it's like so challenging and so anxiety inducing when the entire time we're on a date, we're so focused on what the other person thinks of us Mm -hmm. when in reality, I think, I mean, and this is just like, if you date men, it doesn't really matter what gender you're dating or what your sexual orientation is. I think in general, like most men are, (laughs) are taught to take up space and to know like, Hey, do I like you? Mm -hmm. But for women, we're taught the opposite. We're taught that we need to like be a version of ourselves to get people to like us. And that's also messaging that we're seeing everywhere in like advertising, in movies and TVs, like we get so much messaging constantly of all the ways that we need to change ourselves, because we're not enough as we are. When in reality, it's like we are more than enough as we are, and someone would be lucky enough to be with us. And we need to put ourselves in that position, like we're hiring someone for the role. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people get stuck in the trap where like they might feel a little disappointed, like a lot of their dates aren't working out. But if you're wanting a monogamous long-term relationship, which it doesn't matter if you are or not, either way, the type of relationship that you want, there's not going to be 10,000 people for that role, right? Mm -hmm. There's going to be a select few. And so I think it's important to realize that you need a filter for that select few, Mm -hmm. And it's okay if you have bad dates. That helps you be more clear on what you want and what you don't want so that you stop picking people who aren't a fit for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the idea of thinking of it as a hiring for a role. It's very important. And if I'm going to pay you, uh, 
I guess in my time and in my attention, which is very valuable <laughs> to me. Yeah. I want you to be fitting the right role and it just like calming down and taking a minute to be like, do I like this person for this role? When I think about wanting, let's say the person I'm hiring to like the company. So wanting them to like me, I tend to steer away from certain questions that could make me seem like, oh, she's too invested. Oh, she's already planning a family. Oh, she's already like getting too serious. So do we make mistakes by not asking the important big questions early on for fear of being judged by them? A hundred percent. And like, I'll be the first to say the way that I personally go about dating and the way that I teach dating to my clients and the people in my community is like complete opposite <laughs> of what anyone else is telling you. Like I'm an advocate for having these like heavy conversations, hard hitting conversations early on. Um, and honestly, ideally before you even go for a date, because you want to develop a baseline of compatibility. And if this person that you're going out with doesn't have aligned values with you, then where can this go? Or maybe you're wanting something long-term and they're just wanting something short-term, or maybe you don't want kids and you know you don't want kids, but this person absolutely wants a family. Those are multiple things that can be deal breakers. Same with like political leanings, depending on like how important that is for you. Like that can be a deal breaker. Your religion can be a deal breaker. And so I'm a huge advocate for having these conversations early on. And on top of that, I think a lot of the times when we think of compatibility, we don't talk about sexual compatibility. And like one of the major reasons why relationships fail is sexual incompatibility or not trying or things not working like in the bedroom. And so to really set yourself up for success is having these conversations as early on as possible. And I know that it's uncomfortable to have these conversations, but like, do you really want to be with someone who you can't have these conversations with? Like, fully and authentically mm -hmm. because if they don't like your answers then that's not your person right absolutely do you have any tips for how to start that conversation early on like let's say maybe before you've met them or your first time in person mother's day is around the corner and whether you're celebrating your mama grandma guardian or yourself celebrate with the mother of all self-care routines by trying out osea's mega moisture duo this duo delivers a one-two punch in luxurious body care moisturizers with their Anduria Algae Body Oil and Anduria Collagen Body Lotion, both featuring Osea's signature all-natural citrusy scent. I use both the body lotion and the Anduria Algae Body Oil once I get out of the shower and I use it literally everywhere. This duo is my go-to for feeling glowy and hydrated for literal days and the Osea Signature Scent is one of my faves because it's not overwhelming, um, but it's like a delicious and fresh smell that just lasts. Since 1996, Osea has been making seaweed-infused skincare that is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat mom to the everyday spa experience she deserves with clean, vegan skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code DOOMY at oseamalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OSEA. Malibu.com and use code D-E-W-M-E for 10% off. Yeah. 
So I actually have a free compatibility guide on my website, yourpleasurepath.com for anyone that wants more tips, but I will walk you through sort of like what I do for these conversations. Uh, Typically, like I'm a pretty forward forward gal, Mm -hmm. so I don't mind starting conversations. I don't mind hitting the ground running. It doesn't matter who's making the first move, but typically I ask like, okay, like, what are you looking for? Like, are you wanting something long-term or whatever? And typically there'll be some little exchange on, okay, I'm looking for something long-term, but I'm open for something casual, or I'm looking for a fuck buddy, but you know, maybe my wife and I'm like, okay, (laughs) but like, eh, like, I don't know. And then I think I oftentimes start with what I want. Mm -hmm. So I filter people out. I also personally, I have herpes too. So I disclose in my profile uh, because I don't want to bother matching with people who aren't okay with it. Like that's their problem to deal with. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Um, But starting those conversations that way. And then I think also too, like asking like, so what are you into? Or like, what are your core values? Or what are you looking for in a partner? I think is a really great, great question because it, gives you a sense of like their core values and if that's aligned with you great if it's not that's cool too but I think those are good ways of trying to figure out like I know for me personally my values that I look for in a partner is I'm really into someone who's intelligent and really loves to learn I'm into someone who is adventurous and likes to travel and try new foods. I'm into partners who are passionate about something. And it doesn't have to be their job. I don't care what it is. Just passionate about something. Enjoy something about life. Mm -hmm. I like partners who are generous, not just with their money, but their time, their energy, because I also give that. And then the last one is family oriented. I personally, like, I want to have a family. I want to start a family in the near future, but I also want a a, like non-traditional relationship style. Like I'm wanting a open relationship Mm -hmm. and I'm wanting an open marriage. And so I know with that, my pool gets smaller and smaller and smaller, Mm -hmm. but that's okay because there's only going to be a handful of people who are right for the role. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter if the pool gets smaller, if you're being better at tailoring who you're taking on the interview. Right. I love that. The idea mm-hmm. of letting the pool get smaller because that's a good thing because not mm-hmm. everyone's going to fit the damn role. Because I think that feels really scary to like make the pool mm-hmm. that much smaller. It's like, well, am I just going to fuck myself over and not meet my person because I've made my pool so specific? But it's like, no, because your person is going to be in that pool. And also another mm-hmm. yeah. another um, phrase for that, I feel like, is telling yourself that your expectations are too high, you know? And so and they're not. I feel like not letting yourself make the pool smaller is the same as telling yourself, like, oh, my expectations are just too high. Like, I just, I hold people, like, at a higher standard and I should lower them. I feel like that's kind of the same thing. Yeah. And I'd say with that, too, like... I know there's a lot of misconceptions with dating. Like I'm absolutely an advocate for like setting your standards and like running with it. And I think that's so important with dating, but I'm not an advocate for having a checklist of 30 items that someone has to cross off. That includes like hair color, height, (laughs) eye color, income. Like that can be like financial compatibility is something that can be important and can be a make or break. But I think 
that's also something that you need to personally like weigh what what's most important to me in a relationship is it feeling intellectually stimulated is it the emotional connection is it sexual connection is it financial compatibility like do I want to live with my partner do I want to not what kind of lifestyle do I want I think it's really important to get crystal clear on what you want Mm -hmm. so that you can filter and kind of like weigh things on like what's most to least important Mm -hmm. but it's not to say if it's something that's important don't cross it out but just figure out like not everyone is gonna meet all 30 of your things on your checklist which is why I teach um, values-based compatibility and that's finding five core values Mm -hmm. that are non-negotiable for you and trying to find matches that way Mm -hmm. so five core values and then also aligned relationship style and like family planning should be aligned period. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And I love the idea of having these conversations early on. Like when you say it, I'm like, Oh my God, she's so fucking cool. Like that comes across so confident. (laughs) And then when I think of myself doing it, I'm like, Holy shit, that's so scary. And I think part of where that fear comes from is it feels so not aligned with the like cool girl persona of like, I just don't really give a fuck, like whatever, I'm just chill, whatever happens, happens. Like it just feels very, I don't know, out of alignment with who we're like taught we're supposed to be. And I think that's why it feels so scary. Yeah, but like, I will be the first to say like, this is death to the cool girl. Like (laughs) cool girls get fucked over cool girls don't get what they want Mm -hmm. because they're too cool. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sorry. Like if you don't speak up for what you want, you're not going to get it. You might get it on a slim chance. Like, but the likelihood of you getting what you want, not going to happen. And also I think like how we show up in the beginning of dating and the beginning of a relationship sets the tone for how the rest of it's going to go. And so if you're coming across as really cool, but on the inside, you're like, I'm a fucking anxious mess and I need you to validate (laughs) me constantly. And I have separation anxiety and like, don't go on this work trip because you're going to leave me. Like then the relationship's going to implode because they're going to be like, what the fuck just happened? You were so cool at the beginning. And you're like, it was an act. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I'm not. <laughs> Nothing is less cool you know? than that. <laughs> than pulling yeah. a catfish in the yeah. middle of a relationship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, I, I think it's also too, like, important to be mindful of, like, our our own red flags, you know? We're taught to, like, look for red flags in other people, but oftentimes, when do we turn the mirror to ourselves and be like, okay... I've attracted these types of people because I felt this particular way about myself and like I'm actually dealing with insecurity so I'm attracting partners who are not looking for something serious or struggling with drugs and alcohol addiction or you know people who don't want to take me on dates and just want to Netflix and chill it's like oftentimes I'm not saying like we're attracting I mean, yeah, we are attracting these people, but it's because we allow it, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, you got to set the standards and the boundaries to not. But in order to do that, you have to take a fine look at yourself and be like, what am I allowing and why? Mm -hmm. And what are my red flags? Like if someone were to rate me, what would they be? (laughs) How many of them would be red? Sometimes, you know, it's like, And like, that's the, you know, the job interview question that everyone hates, like, what are your weaknesses? And you're always supposed to turn it into a positive, Mm -hmm. like, "Hmm, I'm really bad at responding, but I'm really good at setting boundaries. Like, (laughs) 
Is that good though? I don't know. You know? Absolutely. So, I don't know. I think I I think it's important to recognize that. And I think, yeah, going through your own red flags and also I think managing your own anxiety or just regulating your own nervous system is so important. I think a lot of the times we, once we find this person, we like latch onto them and we, you know, Delulu's this Delulu, <laughs> but it's not really. Um, we fixate on them and we're like, okay, this is my person. Everything's going to be perfect. But we're living in such a dysregulated state. And I think oftentimes we miss things in communications, like we perceive texts wrong or they said this, but we meant it to be something else. And I think it's so important that we get to a state where we're feeling regulated. And that's like doing things like practicing mindfulness. Um, EFT tapping is really great. I have a playlist on my TikTok for that. And it's just like mm-hmm. tapping. And it just like helps you release that anxiety. This point right here activates the vagus nerve. So it's like really good for releasing that mm. in a moment. And if you're on a date and you're feeling anxious, I like this point here because um, you can hide it underneath the table and no one will ever know you're tapping. For our people who are just <laughs> listening and not watching, can you describe what those points oh, are? Yeah. 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 So tapping, also known as EFT tapping, it's emotional freedom technique. So it uses acupressure meridian points that activate your subconscious mind, combining with the somatic tool of like touch. So the particular points that I really like for clients who are experiencing anxiety is right in the middle of your chest. Like it's in the middle of like your breastbone. Like you'll feel it might feel a little rise right here and you'll just take your fingertips and just like gently tap here. This point is where your vagus nerve is and that's the central like nerve in your body. And so this point might feel very, very calming for you immediately. Mm. And the beauty of tapping, you can just tap here. You can say how you're feeling out loud, like, fuck, I'm really anxious right now and I don't want to be and I really want to have a good date, but I'm worried what they're going to think of me. But in reality, I know it doesn't matter what they think of me because I'm that cool bitch and like, I know that I'm a great time and a great lay and the right person is always going to come because like, I'm that bitch, you know, you can, you can say something fun like that or not just tap away. Or the other point that I was talking about is on the fleshy part of your hand um, underneath where your like pinky finger is and just use the fingertips here too. And this tapping point is nice because you can hide it easily. Yeah when you're out in public but I'm like I am that crazy person who taps on the subway constantly I'm like ah there's too many people here let's tap let's tap <laughs> oh this, this person's staring at me let's tap <laughs> I realize I wonder what it is and maybe you have insight on why we fixate sometimes on our hands when we're nervous and the tapping feels like a solution but for me when I'm nervous I like cross and overcross my fingers a ton or like when I'm anxious, when I'm meeting people. And I don't know why it's like with the hands, but maybe it's just fidgeting. But yeah, whenever I'm nervous or anxious, I'm like constantly twirling my fingers. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly why it's the hands, yes. but I know in general, a lot of people that do experience anxiety have some sort of fidget. I know I wear this like ring on my thumb and it's like an evil eye ring because I'm like a little woo-woo, but I do notice sometimes I'm like twirling it. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> like dee dee 
but it like yeah whatever works whatever helps you feel less anxious Mm -hmm. if fidgeting or stimming or like whatever is going to help you I know with I have ADHD too so sometimes just like moving something is helpful Mm -hmm. in order for you to focus on something else yeah totally fair well you mentioned flags and I want to get into that a little bit more because I think there are some obvious flag indicators we can tell um, when we're starting to talk to someone and whether or not we feel like they would be ready for a relationship. So maybe you could give us some examples of some red, beige, and green of let's say if you're starting to talk Mm -hmm. to someone on the apps or casually that you met in person, you know, kind of indicators that show whether or not they would be ready to be in a relationship or not. Yeah. Um, I want to start with green flags okay. because I feel like that's the most important, right? <laughs> I love it. So I think, I think oftentimes too, we're so focused on what not to look for and what mm-hmm. to avoid that it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I feel like we don't put enough focus and attention on like the good. Fair. So want to focus yeah. on the good. <laughs> so examples of green flags is like consistent and clear communication, mm-hmm. right? Great. We love that. The frequency of communication, that's going to vary person to person. And depending on the type of relationship, um, that's something that you need to figure out between the two of you. Um, Because I know everyone's communication style is differently. So figuring out whatever cadence feels good. If like checking in once a day feels good. If it's, I don't need to talk to them every day, maybe just a couple times a week. That's great. I think having consistent plans scheduled, whether that's, you know, your weekly date night, whether that's, you know, twice a week, whatever cadence feels good, and that there's effort put forth in whatever you're doing together. And I know that like in this economy, not everyone's wanting to spend money on going on all these like lavish, expensive dates. And like, that doesn't need to be that like you can still plan a cool date and have it be free or less expensive and still put an effort in doing at home dates like it doesn't just have to be takeout and Netflix Mm -hmm. you know you can make it a culinary experience like oh we're watching a movie and let's curate our menu based on the type of cuisine that's in the movie right or let's set up a pillow fort and get like twinkle lights and shit like that like you can still make it fun on a budget Mm -hmm. Um, I think also green flag is aligned on values, right? Core values. That should be a non-negotiable, like that should be the biggest green light is aligned on values and aligned on future goals, I think is really important too. It's like, what does your five-year plan look like? And I know that's very much an interview (laughs) question, but like you're interviewing this person for the job, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so if they're, if what they want is aligned with you. Like I'm someone, I'm very career focused, but I also want a family, but I want someone that's okay. And also wants, you know, higher education. I'm applying for grad school right now. Like that's in my future. So making sure that you're aligned with all of that, I think are green flags. Um, Green flags can also be like (sighs) boundaries, Mm -hmm. right? How good are they with setting boundaries or, How good are they with um, interacting with your boundaries that you set? Like, I know for me, this kind of relates to communication style, but I'm someone that like, I'm very busy during the day and I I do like a morning check-in, but during the day, I don't like constant texting Mm -hmm. 
it triggers me because I, I, I'm more of an avoidant (laughs) naturally than anxious. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, oh, this person needs so much attention. Like, I don't like it. I feel overwhelmed. I feel trapped. I'm more secure now. I'd say I'm 90% secure, (laughs) 10% 10 avoidant in there. But something that I create, like a boundary that I create with my like partners as we're newly dating is like, hey, I'm super busy and it's not that I don't want to spend time with you and it's not that I don't want to talk to you, but I have to focus on this at this time or I have calls back to back from here to here. I would love if we can connect like later in the day once I'm done for the day. Like, how does that sound? And so if you're the one that's the the more anxious one or who needs a little bit more validation, that's why it's so important to have these conversations like earlier on, like, hey, I need the daily check-in. Otherwise, I'm going to spontaneously (laughs) collapse and like, (laughs) that's okay. So I think how they deal with boundaries and I think also green flag is like how they deal with conflict, right? Are they very calm, cool, collected? Are they going to help you problem solve or are they going to get into the mode where they end up getting like angry, right? We don't like that or accusatory. And I think like figuring out conflict early on is actually a great thing. Um, Like I actually recommend going beyond just the normal like drinks dates or dinner dates. Like I really enjoy having some sort of activity. Mm Mm-hmm. Even something simple as like bowling, playing pool, mini golf, arcade games, right? They seem very silly, but it's great because you're able to see how someone deals with like conflict when like something doesn't go right. Because usually something doesn't go right in those kind of settings. Mm -hmm. Do they let you win? Are they a good sport? Are they wanting to help you? Mm -hmm. Right? So it helps to see like, are they a team player? Are they not? Um, so I'd say those are probably like the more important green flags. And I think in terms of oh, back to boundaries too, I think being clear on what you want, like sexually and how much you want to progress it early on versus not. I know everyone's different. Like I'm a, like I'll fuck on the first date kind of gal. If, if the mood's right, right if the stars align, like <laughs> there's nothing stopping me. But I've also been in relationships where we've dated for three months and we never had sex. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like being able to have those conversations and figure out like what's the right like cadence for you for physical intimacy and sexual intimacy. Um, but also like, again, not feeling the pressure, mm-hmm. you know, as someone who's understanding of that. Um And then in terms of red flags, (laughs) obviously, that's the flip side, right? Someone who pressures you to be intimate before you're ready. And like, there's nothing less sexy than someone that pressures us to have sex, Mm -hmm. right? Because coercion is not consent. Mm -hmm. And having sex with someone because you think it's easier than saying no, like that's still coercion and that's not consensual and that's not cool. Um, And like, I'm like huge supporter of, consensual sexual experiences like we're here in the business of pleasure like we want you to have a good time and it's either a full body fuck yes or it's a no and it doesn't matter if you had sex before and you don't want to now or you're in the middle of it and you change your mind like that's fine like full stop when it's a no it's a no and this person needs to respect this and if they don't like you definitely don't want them in your life Mm um i'd say another red flag is like inconsistent communication 
And like, this is really, really hard for those who are more anxious when it comes to dating because you get like the dopamine hit and then the withdrawal. When they come in, you're filled with all these hormones and you're like, oh my God, they love me. They're giving me so much attention. I love it. And then they go away, right? It's like the ghosting and the love bombing. So that's like huge, huge red flag. I think another red flag is like going too quickly too soon. And I know like TikTok kind of fucked us up with this, with the whole like Delulu um, lover girl kind of thing. It's like we all want to believe that like we're going to have this like movie rom-com moment where we have this meet cute and we make eye contact and we just know this is the love of our life and of course they're going to commit to us immediately and whisk us away on this lavish vacation and spoil us with all these things and it's like yeah that's great but it's actually not because the likelihood of them maintaining that throughout a relationship is pretty slim to none Mm -hmm. right and a lot of times men especially do that to lure you in to trap you (laughs) (laughs) thinking like so that you think that okay well this is what I get if I stay in this relationship with this person like why wouldn't I want these things and then they'll slowly give you less and less they'll breadcrumb you Mm -hmm. give you a little bit less a little bit less a little less effort and then gaslight you another red flag (laughs) make you believe you're crazy Mm -hmm. for saying hey why you sent me an uber the first date why don't you do that anymore do you not care about my safety or hey we used to go out to eat once a week and like now we're just getting netflix and takeout like what's that about and they're like oh well you know i'm not made of money like what do you expect you know whatever and it's just like hey dude i'm calling you out like it's not about the money it's about the effort Mm -hmm. so i think those are probably like the major red flags and i feel like the love bombing is the hardest one to avoid because I think we're hardwired to want the Mm rom-coms because that's what we were (laughs) raised to believe is the standard, which like you can still have your rom-com, like I'm all for it, but it should be a slow burn to get there. Like slowly over time, building intimacy, connection, desire, like, you know, maybe starting with like one night away, not like a two week vacation, on an international trip Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying perhaps yes those were (laughs) (laughs) but i want it i'll take one though (laughs) (laughs) those were excellent examples that you followed up with very realistic like experiences that i think we've all been through and like seen through dating and so it's so great that you were able to like categorize that so well for us do you have any, like, or what are your thoughts on testing people? So if you're dating someone and you're like, I want to test how well they would do with like boundaries or the no or this. So kind of running them through, I don't know, a circumstance where they could prove to you or not. Oh, you're shaking your head. So this is a no. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Okay. It's like that gets us trapped in the cycle of like, thinking dating is a game Mm, mm -hmm. and it's a game that we have to win right and that's another thing that we're taught that we have to we have to you know wait to respond because they took three days to respond so we need to double that right you know and it's like what the fuck you know if you're trying to play a game 
you're going to win stupid prizes. <laughs> right? Oh, so Drew. Uh-huh. Right? And it's like, and the thing is, it's like, if you're wanting to test someone on something, I'm like, will they be faithful, you know, or can I read their text messages if their phone is open? Or what will they respond if I ask for a quick favor while they're on their way home from work? Like, it's okay to ask for what you need. But I wouldn't think of it as like a test or a game. It's like straight up ask like, hey, how would you feel about x? Or, you know, I need a huge favor. Like I have this big presentation. And like, I can't find xyz. And I know, there's this store that's near your work. Can you grab it for me on your way home before we go out tonight? Like, that would be a good indication if that's something that they'd want to do. But I think like not, not making it like a test, Mm -hmm. you know, or like, I'm going to set up a fake profile on this dating app to see if they're still swiping. Like, no, if you think that your person is cheating on you, like you shouldn't be with them. Mm -hmm. You know, we're always going to find what we're looking for if we look hard enough. But if you're looking for finding the holes, that also means in some degree, you're emotionally unavailable, you're not ready for commitment or a relationship. And like, you have some stuff to heal on yourself too. And I know, mic drop. I know that's, <laughs> that's a fair point. Yeah, that'll do. That'll do. It's making me think about um, like on TikTok when people do the loyalty tests. Mm. Um, Which ones are those again? Like the Um, where they'll basically there's like a creator on TikTok. I think there's like a lot of them who will like people can submit that they want them to loyalty test their husband, their partner, whatever. Um, And then they'll message them, ask if they want to meet up, whatever. I've never seen one that's gone well. Like every single one of them has gone terribly. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're staged. I'm not sure. But like, yeah, I mean, if you're looking for somebody to be cheating, like if you're thinking, I don't know, if you're willing to hire somebody to loyalty test your partner, there's probably an issue in the first place. Yeah. So, yeah. There's also that like. And I think. Oh, I'm sorry, Catherine. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Continue. No, no, no. I was just going to say another test that I saw was like the orange test. And I think um, uh, Renee Rapp was on a podcast and they were talking about that test. And it was just like, the bar is on the fucking floor. If we are presenting an orange to test our partner <laughs> to see how much they'll do for us, it's like, oh, that is a that is a silly, stupid prize for a silly game. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, sure, like there there could be other things, but like, you know, ask your partner for something that's actually important to right. you. Like, if you don't eat fucking oranges, your partner's going to be like, what the <sighs> fuck? Why are there oranges? Like, you're allergic. Why am I peeling this for you? You um, know? So it's like, maybe ask for something that's actually, like, valuable to you. But I truly believe if you're looking for something, you're going to find it. And I think, like, if you're looking for something, if you have doubts that your partner is, like, faithful or cheating on you, like, why do you need proof to leave the relationship? Just that intuition, just that gut feeling should be enough. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also important too, to at the very beginning of a relationship back to like setting those boundaries, setting those standards, ask your partner, like have that conversation. How do you define cheating? Mm -hmm. What is it to you? What does it look like? What does it feel like? I know there's a lot of like mixed information, a lot of um, mixed opinions on like, 
Is it okay to follow Instagram models or subscribe to OnlyFans? Is it okay to watch porn? And that answer is going to be different for every person, every relationship. Um, So it's really important to figure out like what your boundaries and standards are when it comes to like cheating and then also what your partner's is. And I think in relationships, we make a lot of assumptions, right? Or we're like, of course they would know not to follow (laughs) Susie on Instagram, like, because she only posts butt pics. But like, you know, maybe he looks anyways, you know, but I think there's also this misconception that we assume that just because we're in a monogamous relationship that our partner is only going to be attracted to us and no one else. And that's quite honestly bullshit. Mm -hmm. Like (laughs) we are still attracted to other people, even if we're in a monogamous relationship. And I think it's important to figure out like knowing that like if you're feeling insecure with your partner being attracted by other people like that's totally fine there's ways to work through that you know um and like setting those boundaries like okay like I'm cool if you watch porn I'm cool if you like masturbate whenever you want but like you know maybe don't subscribe to this particular person because I went to middle school with her you know fair request (laughs) so like good boundary setting those boundaries (laughs) or you know not doing the add-ons but you can subscribe to the channel um I also think too like this again is probably going to be something that no one else recommends but like I really enjoy watching porn with partners too Mm -hmm. because it helps build intimacy because you're able to see number one like what they're into it can help spice things up in the bedroom and you can show each other how you like to touch yourself and that in itself can be super intimate because if we think about it like if you do watch porn or what listen to uh, like erotica or read smut or whatever like what we do when we're masturbating that is the most intimate thing we can do because it's a moment that we have with ourselves. Mm-hmm. and when we share that with our partner that can add such a deeper level of intimacy and connection mm-hmm. so I think it's really important to talk about it and then you know spice it up engage with it also like mutual masturbation super mm-hmm. hot so why not <laughs> Absolutely. I think starting relationships um, in the past, I have found that one of the most controversial questions to begin with is uh, like, how do you define flirting? And do you see that as like problematic in a relationship? So same question with cheating. Another great question to be on the same page about. Um, It is a great like temperature check um, in the beginning of a relationship. Because also if someone that I was almost dating said that like casually flirting at bars would be cheating. I wouldn't want to be with that person because that is literally my personality (laughs) and I love doing that. So yeah, those are all great questions to gauge. I love that. Yeah, I feel you on that. And I think with like flirting too, like I am like grade A flirt. (laughs) I'm a Gemini. So like I flirt with people and I don't always know that I'm flirting with people and like I'm straight, but I'm sure I flirt with women all the time. And it's just like, that's just who I am. It's not intentional. Um, But it's also like, to me, there's nothing wrong with a flirt, but I'm also someone who prefers non-monogamous relationships. So like how I define cheating is very different than someone who might want something monogamous. Like personally for me, like in my relationships, like I still have been cheated on with a non-monogamous partner because he broke our boundary. He betrayed our boundary by sleeping with one of my friends. And that was our boundary. But we could sleep with literally anyone else. But he decided <laughs> to sleep with The world was friends. yours. <laughs> and yeah. 
I know. Yeah. So like cheating still can exist even in non-monogamy, but that's why it's so important to have so much of these conversations early on. And I know it's like scary to put so much of yourself out there and scary to set these boundaries, especially if like our whole lives we've been taught like not to have them and we've been taught to just like contort ourselves into like whatever position like will fit for this situation. But that's only going to set yourself up for failure if you're not yeah. sharing openly like what you want and need. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Ugh. Realistically, if you are sharing openly and having these conversations, I imagine that some people will be like, that person's not for me. Like that's too much. Um, what are some mantras or things that we can tell ourselves if that is how somebody responds to us after we really put ourselves out there? Mm. Well, I think like number one, realizing again, it's like back to the job interview analogy, right? If someone's not a fit for the role, you find someone else, right? There's nothing wrong with you. A company doesn't think like, oh, this person quit. Like there's something wrong with me as a company. Like, no, they just go through the interview process again. So I think it's coming back to yourself and be like, just because they're not able to meet my needs, just because what I want is not aligned with what they want, doesn't mean there's anything wrong with me. And I think that really is the most important mantra. And maybe do some tapping on that too. (laughs) But like, really, it's like, if it's not a fit, it's not a fit. And like, I think so often we're so afraid of like abandonment that we try to stay in situations much longer than we're supposed to. And we try to make things work, even though they're clearly not, because we would rather be with someone that's not right for us than be alone. And I think that's also why I feel like there's this epidemic of situationships and truly it is an epidemic. Like to me, it's baffling why so many people are invalidating their own needs to get some semblance some little breadcrumb of attention from someone who very clearly doesn't want them in the way that they want and so like how awful that you are suppressing your needs and suppressing your self-worth in order to just get this person to like you or trying to make them be in love with you even though it's been five years of you holding hands and talking to their mom on FaceTime, but they won't put a label on it. Like, I'm sorry, break up, go no contact, like block them. Like it's why, why are we doing this? It's 2024. Come on. Come on. It's feminism. (laughs) Do you have any other um, tips that you think are really important for starting off a new relationship that we didn't ask about or cover yet? I think, I mean, I feel like we covered a lot, but I think ultimately it's like coming back to being very clear about what you're looking for and what you will and won't settle for, I think is really important. Um, I also have this masterclass (laughs) that came out uh, a couple of years ago at this point called uh, Stop Dating Fuck Boys, (laughs) which is helpful too. And like understanding, I think, I think it's important to understand like your attachment style your love language, like having that awareness on yourself and recognizing like what you're attracting and what you don't want. And I think also setting that intention of what you do want and being very clear. And I think it's important to note too, with like 
learning how to set boundaries, learning how to communicate your needs, like that's a skill that's going to get easier over time. And so like, if it doesn't go well at the very beginning, like that's okay, get back on the fucking bike and do it again. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. it's going to get easier the more you practice it. And like no one starts out being amazing. So the more that you practice that muscle, the more you ride that bike, you'll take off the training wheels and then it's going to be easy. And then you'll slowly realize that, okay, well, this person didn't like what I had to offer. And that's fine because like they weren't a fit for me anyways, you know, on to the next one, you know, and then if someone cancels a date or, you know, you get that text like, hey, didn't have chemistry. You're like, okay. (laughs) have a nice one. Like, hope you find what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll, you'll start to learn that, like, you shouldn't take it personally because it's not a fit. It's not a fit. Right. Yeah. And I feel like you outlined beautifully when you were talking about finding your values. Like I just loved how crystal clear you were on your values. And so one going, you said to your website, you have a good, uh, handout for finding your values. Is that what you said earlier? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So on my website, if you go to yourpleasurepath.com, like that's where you can find everything, all the ways to work with me, um, press, podcasts, all sorts of stuff. But I have a freebie that's called my relationship compatibility guide. And this is like a 15 minute training where I sort of like walk you through how to discover what those core values are. And I normally do the five core values and then figure out the other phases of compatibility that may or may not be important to you, like intellectual, like emotional, like sexual, like financial, you know, so trying to fine tune that. And then if you want more, I have other programs, offers, master classes, like the fuck boys one. That was a, a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> that was so fun. Amazing. Perfect. Thank you so much. Of course. Oh, and for those of you listening too, if you want any of my programs, uh, code Honeydew gets you twenty percent off because I love you so much, <laughs> and I want everyone to have you know the relationship that they desire and the healthy, loving life that they desire, and that starts with you know creating that awareness and knowing that you deserve better than you have had in the past. So even though we've made it to one of the things, the end of one of the things you had to look Mm -hmm. forward to, you still have life to live. You're not 60 yet. Maybe you are, but you still have more fucking to do and more great sex to have Mm -hmm. and more new relationships to start. Yeah. You have the rest of today. You probably have tomorrow. Yeah. You got time. (laughs) You got time. But don't take today for granted. Mm -mm. That's all I got to (laughs) say. That's all we'll leave you with. Bye. Um, Thank you so much to Catherine for coming on the podcast today. And thank you to our listeners for hanging out. Um, We love starting relationships with all of you. (laughs) We love Uh this relationship that we're Uh all in together. Um, You can head on over to Apple Podcasts to rate, review, and subscribe to Honey Do Me. You can leave us a written review. You can rate us on Spotify. You can watch us on YouTube if you're feeling like you need the visual. Um, Mm -hmm. And you can follow us along on Instagram, TikTok. Make sure you're up to date on all things Honey Do Me. Um, Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. (laughs) So with that, uh, 
Jacob, Calvin, <laughs> Monique, and Sarah. Please leave us a review. Yeah. Leave us a written review. Write us a kissy, smooshy little love letter in our comments. Who knows? Just do it and be nice. <laughs> and <laughs> that's all we ask of you. So we'll see you uh, next week. Bye. Goodbye. One, two, three.